0: What is up Atlanta and welcome
1: back to the Active Atlanta podcast. I'm your host Doc Jake Swart and today guys we have a really awesome guest. Her name is Corey Reeves. She is a hand certified hand specialist. She's an occupational therapist. Um, I'm really excited to get her on the show guys because she is incredibly knowledgeable about the hand and wrist and not only that but she is a she is a true iron woman, I guess we should say, instead of an iron man, in terms of what she is uh, doing from a from her training protocols and being able to uh, still be a badass for her patients and still carry out some some existence of a social life. I'm sure she would disagree with that one, though. But um, so, without further ado, Corey, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, so I hope I did your intro justice there. Uh, so with occupational therapy. Let's get this one out of the way cuz this is one that I get asked all the time. Uh, but what is what is an occupational therapist and how does that differ from physical therapy?
2: <laughs> That's so funny. We get asked that a lot as well. It almost <laughs> costing, correcting people that we're not physical therapists. So I say we um, at my clinic, um, there's 11 therapists and we're all occupational therapists and if you aren't a certified hand therapist, you're studying to be training to be. <laughs> you're about um, to be. Yeah. In my setting, um, I work in outpatient orthopedics at a physician owned practice, um, which is a little bit different than a lot of clinics. So we work directly for our six physicians and get most of our patient population directly from them. We do get some outside referrals and we accept outside referrals, but much more commonly get direct referrals. So, um, I see a lot of just straight up orthopedic issues. Um, our practice specializes in trauma. So total hand replants, um, prepping people with amputations at all levels. We do a lot of wound care. Um, that always surprises people that um, therapists do wound care. Yeah. Um,
1: that is true. Or oh, PTs do some wound care too. And it is always like, wait, you do that? And I also yeah. kind of agree. It's kind of a weird thing that we do, that we do uh, wound care. It seems very, I mean, it's in scope, I guess, but it also is like it's this random pocket of what we do
2: random but it goes with everything to your point so if you know like initially you can be prepping people for what they need to be working on ultimately for function so I mean I think historically I would say that the difference like that they tell you in school is that we're working towards function but I kind of think that's inaccurate because I think physical therapists do that as well so I think it's really hard for me to tell you the difference in my setting between a physical therapist and an occupational therapist. I am doing manual work. I am doing exercises towards function. Um, I'm doing wound care uh, all in an effort to get them back to work, get them back to exercise, whatever it is that they're limited with. Um, If normally, I mean, you really can get people back to full functioning. So it just depends. It's definitely not a setting where, um, you're teaching adaptations for life unless it's like arthritis. Um, So it's, it's hard for me to say like a very specific difference, but I usually bring it back to a hospital type setting in which I would say OTs would work on activities of daily living, which would be bathing, dressing, brushing teeth um, safely and effectively. Can you do that independently? Whereas physical therapists would want to make sure that your mobility is in check. So standing, sitting safely, getting in and out of the car safely, things like right. that so yeah
1: I think so too and, and it, since neither one of us could probably clearly de- uh, describe what the <laughs> difference is that probably means there's not much of a difference um yeah. but I agree with you I, I do think it's almost like an, not archaic that may not be the right word to use but like uh very siloed off in terms of like hospital setting right because I that's what we were told in PT school as well it's like oh well um you know OTs are more functional and PTs are more like per- gym or performance or strength based or whatever the case may be. And um, again, I kind of disagree with that too. And I think that's just been a change in the medical model as well. But yeah, in the hospital, PTs, like you said, we're very much more like, okay, let's assess like, can you get in and out of a chair? Can you, can you, do you have the appropriate stamina to do like hallway ambulation or walking? Like very, very basic functioning things versus PTs. We would do a lot of PT or uh, OTs. We do a lot of like PT, OT co-evals where, Um, the OT would come in and like help assess like, okay, what's what's your, do you have the ability to brush your teeth or can you um, do appropriate toilet care by yourself or do you need some form of adaptation? Um, And so I think that's probably the biggest one right now is I don't think PTs do a ton with like adaptation based work to degree. I guess you could make the argument they do, but I think a lot of times that's OTs even when um, my dad, he was in a really bad motorcycle accident where he became an above knee amputee and he worked a ton with PTs, but he was very much so working a lot with OTs in that regard, in those regards as well. So, um, at the end of the day, I don't think there's much of a difference. So <laughs> yeah,
2: um, your way we're very in tune with evaluating people and their movements and their patterns yeah. and trying to correct that, but you're right. I haven't thought about it. A lot of what I teach every day is adaptation. Um, mm-hmm. and I that's learned. I don't know that they necessarily teach you that in school. I right. think you have, doing it for a while and then you know you can kind of assess and say hey have you ever tried this 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 way I mean just like you would for running or tennis or any class
1: yeah I think that's right I think you're spot on so what made you become a OT instead of a PT and did that thought process ever change or cross your mind should I be a PT or an OT
2: oh yeah for sure Um, I mean, I hate to say it, but the OT thing just kind of fell in place. My background is in exercise science. That's my undergrad degree. Um, We had to do an internship, and I thought it'd be cool to be outside of the box and do OT instead of, I mean, most people were doing cardiac rehab or PT. So I was like, I'm going to go shadow and intern with an OT. Let me see if I can get one of these to take me on. Um, and so I actually worked in pediatrics, which is super unlike me. I like kids, but like, that is not <laughs> it was my life. Um, and it was like life changing. It was exhausting. It really made me think in a different way, but I liked it. And I liked knowing that I was going into work essentially to like change somebody's life for the better. Yeah. Like, I was just going in to do paper. Like we do a lot of paperwork as you know. Um, but it's not. It's not what I'm doing all day. I'm interacting with people all day, which is also interesting because I've since learned I'm very much an introvert. Yeah. So the, <laughs> I am an extrovert all day for my job. I just crash when I get home. Like that I was going to be a
1: follow-up question. Are you just mentally drained at the end of it all?
2: Which is also why I think exercise is such a valuable thing for me. I'm just alone. I do everything alone um, except the long bike rides. So I find it to be very peaceful and relaxing and just kind of helps me get back to me.
1: For sure. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exercise can be very meditative in that standpoint. I, we, I talk about this a number of times on the show and it's a, it's a topic that gets brought up all the time. So there's gotta be, we're not gotta be, there's obviously a um, correlation between the two, but just like mental health and exercise. I mean, that's in the research all the time and, and it's in practice all the time. And I think what's really cool is I get to talk with a lot of really awesome people like yourself and very busy professionals who exercise is like uh, the very overused term but a, a non-negotiable for them and it's yep. because it helps with like the mental clarity aspect of that and people who have been exercising for a really long time uh you, you kind of lose like yeah of course like there's always a the vanity aspect of exercise people want to look better naked at the end of the day just <laughs> right <laughs> um but uh, kind of like- sorry you say that again <laughs>
2: want to look young.
1: You, you, you want to look younger. You want to look good. You want to feel good. Um, right. But then at the end of the day, I think one, one of the more, like the, a little bit more intrinsic of a motivator that is a little bit more longer lasting is just the mental clarity, how it makes you feel and how it makes you just a little bit happier with yourself at the end of the day and feel a little bit more with you, like yourself. So um, yeah. I don't think that's pervasive, whether you're a runner strength, uh, you're strength athlete, you like CrossFit, you box, you swim, whatever the case may be. It's whatever finding that way of kind of like giving back to yourself a little bit. So.
2: And someone asked me recently, you know, how far do you have to go exercise wise for you to feel the endorphins? And I think my answer was like, it doesn't matter what it is, but I don't think that's true. Mm -hmm. I hear lately. I've really noticed like, yes, everyday exercise. It's good. But when I'm just really blasting it, trying, like, full effort, a track workout, a really hard swim, those are when I'll see the benefit for, like, two hours of just crazy happy life. Yeah. You can't <laughs> So I think yeah. that, like, that's changed over time. Um, for sure. Uh, you, you know you- w- Sorry, go ahead.
1: I was just I was going to say, uh, and, you know, I think um, – I I think what makes those days so great is that you can't hit those days all the time, even though you know that those days are the days that are going to be like those workouts you get the best benefit from and that endorphin release. It's unrealistic for you to think that you're going to hit that every single day um, because it's going to be, there's going to be a ton of overuse injuries that come up because of that. There's going to be, um, a lot of disappointment associated with that. It's, it's getting through the grind. And then when you hit those tough workouts and you, and you, or you find that day where you can really push yourself to that next level, uh, that's just, that's just a cherry on top.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a feeling that you just really can't put into words without, um, actually experiencing it. Um, I was on a long ride with my mom yesterday. So I do my long rides on the weekends and I'm so thankful that my mom is an extremely fit lady and will Mm -hmm. endure that with me. Um, But I was talking to her about how there's been a pattern lately with patients um, and mental health. I mean, mental health is all over our field, um, but how? Coronavirus and lack of work or change in work and change in lifestyle, whether it be weight gain, lack of exercise, lack of commitment to exercise, whatever, has just taken over a lot of people. I'll have patients on repeat lately saying, I've lost control of my life. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard to hear because you want to give people tools to help them succeed outside of just, I'm treating you in this box for. Said wrist injury, um, but I think that that's you know something that we have to start thinking about integrating into our practice now oh for sure it's huge um, and and it's not even like a motivation thing I, I genuinely think that it helps, like you said, fitting in exercise. I think it helps if you make true non negotiables regardless of what's going on with your career, your relationships your outside interests, um, so that you don't lose control of your life. I mean, it can happen.
1: Oh, for sure. Absolutely. you know, I think it's really interesting that you bring that up because in our setting, um, we're a little bit different in how you practice. Um, there's only, there's, there's a lot less of us in the clinic. Um, but we get in top in those type of topics with people all the time, just like you get the, the ability to, and it's wild and you're right. And I think, and it doesn't matter if there's some like, executive level person I'm talking to or another PT or an OT or, or, or whoever Um, it's very pervasive. And I think there has been, there's some commonalities in what are like really weighing on people in a situation like this. Um, One of them is uh, the unknown. We don't Mm -hmm. know like, is this our new normal? How long, how much longer are we going to be in this like pandemic? What's the right route, right, right route to go and how to handle such a situation. Um, and then also you get a lot of uncertainties from like a career standpoint or a family standpoint or a health standpoint. Um, and I think you're right. All that, it takes a mental toll on us and we've only got the capacity for so many like decision-making processes, uh, yeah. for to handle so much stress in our, in our, in our day. And a lot of times it, it's, it becomes, it, it um, presents itself as a way that makes it a lot harder for a lot of people to find that motivation or or to tell themselves they're going to work out even though that motivation may not be there and uh, it's really unfortunate because that's the that's a that's a great way to combat some of the stressors that this is kind of coming that that's kind of causing this but um, I understand it and and as you as you've pointed out like you just got to find a way uh, to work within your daily life to try to figure out it doesn't have to be anything nearly as intense as what it was you know maybe if you ran 40 miles a week, maybe now we run 20. Or um, if you ran three times a week, just for general, like mental health and things, maybe we walk twice a week instead. Um, But it it is finding some form of way to kind of give back to yourself almost versus um, just always letting life pull from you. So um, yeah, I think you bring up and I love that your mom is still working out uh, with you. Can she uh, can she can she smoke you in some bike rides?
2: Yes, I'm <laughs> gonna act like she can, <laughs> she can and does. That's um, awesome. Yeah, pouring down rain yesterday, and she was like, "Yep, we're still going." I was like, "This doesn't seem like a good idea." She's, like, oh, "We need the mileage. Let's go." Like, go That's over. awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is uh, that is quite the motivator. Um, <laughs> so, okay, let's dive into that a little bit. So, you're training for our triathlon right now. An yes. Ironman specifically. Um, what is the total distance for an Ironman?
2: Um, it's firstly a swim. It's just under two miles, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember the exact yards. Like the swim is not something I'm excited about at all. And then the bike on. I'm doing Chattanooga. The bike on Chattanooga is 117 miles, so a little bit more than a century. And then the run is a marathon. Yeah.
1: So do you feel like you're, when is this marathon or when is this Ironman?
2: Um, it's a year away because it was postponed from coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I would have been ready for yeah. like two weeks ago, <laughs> um, but it would, it was, it was getting pretty, um, pretty intense. Just, I only gave myself like seven months to train. So now here I have like seven months, so ample yeah. time. Um, you know, to try not to get injured, to balance everything. Um, so yeah, it, it's a lot, but I'm sure that it'll ramp back up. And I, I did hire a coach that creates swim workouts for me and then tells me like days and coordination of things. Um, they kind of have running pretty much down. Um, and it's my favorite thing. So if it was up to me, I would run all the time. So it's kind of good to have her saying, (laughs) Not allowed to do this, right? Yeah, allowed on this.
1: <laughs> Yeah, and that's because you have a background as a, as a. Were you a collegiate cross country runner? Yeah. Yeah, and where did you run at?
2: At North Georgia. Nice.
1: UNG. Nice. What's your fastest five k? Five
2: k is not my thing. Um, okay. <laughs> like nineteen oh
1: seven. Okay. What's your What's your What's your sweet spot? What's the one that you What if you have? hmm hmm Nice. I
2: think that I've learned over time it takes me a long time to warm up mm-hmm. and be like 3 4 miles to warm up and then once I'm in or I can go literally forever. I just enjoy it. I can sink into a pace and that's that's what I like to do. I've I've not ever run a marathon. I know that that seems strange, but I have I've done like a million half and that's definitely my favorite distance. I think it's doable. You can easily keep up with a 10 mile long run long term without getting injured, like a marathon, that's not necessarily the case. You know? Yeah.
1: I think you're spot on. And you know, it's not as weird as what you think it sounds like. I, I work with I'm sure you see this a lot in your running community too, but a lot of the runners that we work with, like they've either like they've run like a half and have and like run like barely any fulls, um, but then yeah. gone straight to like ultra running. Uh, because it's yeah. a lot more like on the trails and and uh and like a lot of people get hurt running marathons and not, that, that I'm not saying like marathons are bad. Like you should absolutely run one and keep running them if you enjoy running them. But, um, just that amount of, yeah. Say that again. I'm sorry.
2: The toll on certain people. I, I definitely think I'm in that group. For like it sure. is cover from longer runs.
1: Yeah. Um, and I tell you what, like I've ran, I'm, I am in no, I'm no way a long distance runner, um, or, or, or an endurance athlete. I do enjoy running. Uh, I find it very, um, the people, the people that I get the opportunity to work with who are just badasses with running. I mean, it, it's, it's a really cool sport to try to improve uh, or help my, help my athletes to help my uh, clients improve on. Um, but I'm just not that good at it myself. So, um, uh, from a, from a distance standpoint, I, I was more of a sprinter. So I love working with like the I love working with like the sprint athletes that we get to come in. But, um, I re- I got done with a half. I'm like, yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a desire to double that. <laughs>
2: I don't want to do that again especially not another round right right
1: right i mean i'd run a half again i enjoyed the half
2: the marathons that are two laps of something i'm like okay there's something wrong with you mentally if you're gonna do a marathon i would never do one that's two laps of the same thing never 100 percent, 100 it's
1: just a mental drain at that point be like oh, i gotta go do it again
2: right right yeah it- I swear it's all mental. You have to figure out what works for you. And I believe that with all of this. So I had to figure out that I can't drive home first. If I am at work and I physically drive home, I'm not going to do anything. Like I'm just not, I am not motivated. And people are like, Oh, you're so motivated. It's like, no, I figured out what works for me. And that's getting off of work, doing it before I get home. Because once it's done and same thing goes for running, like, it, I find creating new loops consistently. So like I'll do like maybe a variation of five different loops that I make up um, for like a three-month period and then I have to switch it up, right? It gets boring.
1: Nice.
2: Or I'll listen to podcasts or I'll listen to music. Then I listen to nothing. Like I just go through cycles of what works for me. But yeah. no, I, the same distance, the same pace, the same route, I would be burnt out.
1: For sure. I work with some people who I, I'm thinking of one guy in particular, he, him and his dad, like that's been like their bonding activity for like ever since he was a kid is running. Oh. Right. And, but this guy, um, he's awesome. He's one of my favorite patients I've had the opportunity to work with, but he's very analytical in how he thinks and how he acts and what he does. And so he's run pretty much the same route, like every day, same amount of times per week, like for like years at this point, and he just and it's because he just knows like this is this is my route, this is what I do, this this keeps me healthy, this keeps my heart rate where I wanted to keep. Uh, I know like at this point I'm going to elevate to to this to this uh, reps per minute or beats per minute. I'm like, yeah. damn man, whatever, uh, whatever floats your boat.
2: <laughs> I couldn't do it. I for get sure, bored. I just get so bored.
1: For sure, uh, one of my favorite things to do is run when I'm in a new city. Do you like to run? in uh, is, yep. like that's like my favorite way to explore a new city.
2: Uh, that is literally one of my favorite reasons to go on vacation. Like, if it's not a runnable place, now my like safety meter is a little off. I'm like, yeah, this seems safe enough. You know, <laughs> like, right? <laughs> run by myself here, and sometimes I'm wrong. Um, yeah. But yeah, I love that. And then you kind of know where you are. You're like more oriented than everyone else. Uh, sure. oh, Each mountain, city. Oh my
1: gosh. I just got done doing a, um, one of the more, one of the more pretty runs that I've had the opportunity to do. It was, um, so I did my first flight over a COVID situation um, yeah. and that yeah. was wild. I, you know, that was a crazy experience you know, I have a beard, so I didn't wear like an N95, but my, my, my wife, she had an N95 on. Mm-hmm. I like had this mask with like a filter in it. And then I doubled up and we were keeping our distance and like, you know, trying to do, trying to be as safe as we could, but we went up to uh, Newport, Rhode Island and yeah. oh my gosh, they had this like cliff trail that you would just run across. It was literally like this paved out trail on these cliffs. And on yeah. one side you had the, the Atlantic ocean. And on the other side, you had just a row of, like, these incredible mansions that, like,
2: uh, Henry
1: Ford started or has or something like that, you know?
2: <laughs> exactly what you mean. What do they call – I can't even think of what they call it. The break – is it breakers and all that?
1: Something like that. I can't remember.
2: It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's
1: gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Yeah. But, like, that was an awesome – that was an awesome thing to do. And – uh yeah. I I swear. And then uh, running in DC, that was probably one of my, that was another like really memorable runs that I had because it was just like, it was cool to be, cause I was, I was in college and it was cool to be able to just like run from monument to monument and like it was early in the morning and like just perfect running temperature. We got lucky. It was in January and it was like 50 degrees in DC, which is unheard of. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so you do. So we were kind of talking a little bit before the, before the show and, you um put in a ton of mileage or just a ton of like so you're running forty miles a week right now um you're, which you said shakes out to running about what five six days a week
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: and then you also bike three days a week and swim three days a week? Yes. Okay. And you and like
2: to I also throw strength in there. You so- do
1: <laughs> You do. How often how often a week do you or how is it twice a week that you do strength training? Three times. Three times. So I love that that you do make that a priority. That's obviously speaking my language. Uh, it's more my bias and how I like to train. Um, mm-hmm. So one, let me start off with this one. Why, on top of all that volume from the from the endurance side, why do you make the time still to do strength training?
2: Uh, I genuinely feel like strength training is the only way to prevent injuries. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. It, it's like magic it yeah. makes even if you're starting to feel something and you keep doing the strength training it goes away yeah it's star. I love um, it I just feel like naturally if you're going to sit all day now granted I have a great balance of sitting and standing during the day um like sitting half the day standing half the day but if you are sitting all day you just tend to get super tight and you need to be stretching you need to be strengthening like i kind of feel like it's putting all of it together but the strength does the most benefit because yeah. i strength previously like seriously and consistently and just found that no matter how much prevention you do because i do ice baths i do massages i do my own rolling i have a very extensive stretching and warm-up <laughs> and cool down just to prevent injury because it, it's a lot on your body 100 um, percent get in the car. I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> you're like asking to get injured. They're like, I got to our fasciitis. I'm like, I bet you weren't stretching.
1: For sure. But you weren't doing anything to help give yourself a little TLC.
2: Nope. Yeah. No. I love that. Yeah.
1: I think obviously uh, I'm biased with how I train and what we do, but I, I totally agree. I think the research also supports uh, what you're saying and, and the fact that it is a great way to, uh, reduce your likelihood of having an injury. So, um, and especially when we start working with like our female endurance runners and everything, or female endurance athletes, um, yes, you are getting some, um, you are getting a lot of load on your, on your skeletal system with running, but that's only one out of the three sports that are three events that you're doing where you're getting that, where you're getting that load too. So now we start talking about like, all right, well, how do we maintain bone density for you to be able to enjoy or be able to better handle your runs? And that's something that like people don't even really think about, but it's a huge component of strength training or you're spot on with like, what's great about strength training is, and this is where, um, some of my PT colleagues and I might disagree, but, uh, strength training is also a great way to improve functional range of motion as well. Uh, you know, what, some of the best ways to improve a joint's uh, functional range that it has is to work and load and get strong in that range. <laughs> so, um, cause I'm sure you experience this. I'm sure if you, you can go and stretch and say you can't touch your toes before you're stretching and then you can afterwards. Well, guess what? Right. When you go back to it, you're or right. You wait a couple minutes and you're not gonna be able to touch your toes anymore. But if you right. constantly demand that your body moves and has strength and control into a larger range of motion, over time, you will be able to get, uh, improve that range. And it, what good is it if you're not strong in it anyway?
2: I think that uh, – so I started yoga the year before that I did – the year before I started strength training. I did a full year of yoga nice. um, a couple days a week. And I thought, gosh, I'm just a super tight person. Like, in general, I'm extremely tight. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Most runners are.
2: Yeah. But honestly, now that I'm a therapist, I think I would rather be tight than lax.
1: Yeah, so, I agree. I agree. I'm with um, you.
2: <laughs> but I found that it wasn't so much the stretching and the mobility of yoga that helped me. It was the core strength. Mm. So I'm like, okay, how can I translate and continue to get core strength with doing something different? Because I got super bored with the yoga stuff. Like, it's yeah. awesome. Highly yeah. ready, but I was just ready for something different.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And then, um, so you work out three times a week and then your are well, you strength train three times a week, and then you're, you do a variation of running and swimming six days a week, and you run six days a week. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you do that? No, how do you fit all that into your schedule? And then how do you do, you, how do you maintain a social life? Is that important to you when you get into the higher, I mean, obviously being social is important to everybody to some degree. Um, but is that, a, a, how do you fit in like, a normal functioning human's life, on top of being a very um, intelligent and motivated and driven professional, on top of getting in all your training. Because I've I've talked to a, a colleague of yours before, and she raved about your intelligence and your dedication to your patients and just your overall skill set. So obviously, you've either found some superpower that gives you more hours in the day, or you have a, some pretty cool strategies in how you manage your time.
2: Um, I have a very extensive planner, like a physical planner.
1: <laughs> yep.
2: I'm color coordinated based um, nice. on what I'm going to do that day. If I have an appointment, whatever. It's harder if I have an appointment, like an outside type of thing, but it's life. You work it in. Um, I've been doing my current role at my current job for six years. So I would say the flexibility there is crucial. So the fact that I created my own schedule at this point and can get off of work by a certain time doing the same amount of work as everybody else that's doing longer hours for less days of the week. I work every day, but shorter. Mm -hmm. Um, Still getting 40 hours a week. So that was my first priority. But I think that that works out because I'm confident in my job and my skill set at this point. I couldn't have done this like three years ago. Right. And then, I mean, it's very, my first priority it's always been my first pri- exercise is always my first priority um mm-hmm. i was raised my mom and dad are kind of like crazy about that vacations you get up and exercise and then you're ready to go by 10 like it's mm-hmm. just how we're wired um so it's very much my lifestyle um and so in working in an inn, I would say social life to me is less important than it is to a lot of people. I'm extremely introverted and I have a introverted <laughs> job, so I get a lot of what I need from other people through my career, so I feel like that really helps. Um, I'm very stimulated at work, so then after work, just kind of shut down and I'm by myself, and I that works really well for me. I'm also not married, so I have extra time there that's a huge time commitment if yeah. you are maybe you both need to be on the same page about what you're doing with your free time you know because yeah. you want to at some point um so i would say i try to have like two or three social gathering events um whether that like right now it's weird because of covid but whether that's walking or going to dinner with someone or watching a movie with someone just social interaction outside of my coworkers. Um, and patience and then um, the rest I dedicate to exercise but exercise is a first priority it's hard um, to talk me out of doing something uh, (laughs) on the weekends even because that's when I'm doing like max hours like it's it's nuts Mm -hmm. so in the heat of training it was like four hour day Saturdays and then six hour day Sundays and that's a lot of time and then you're dead like tired so even It'd do something social it's like here I am I'm barely here but hi guys yeah. <laughs> uh, helps knowing that this isn't forever like this isn't my norm forever um, yeah. you know uh, but that's kind of how it all shakes out work work being flexible really helps
1: for sure for sure so um, to summarize yeah. how you do it is by being a badass at what you do um, <laughs> And then making just making, uh, making exercise a priority and letting everything else be secondary. So, um, Corey, motivational for sure. I loved, I love the work ethic, love the drive. Um, if somebody wanted to say somebody had a wrist or hand issue or, um, they wanted to figure out or talk to you more about your training strategies or figure out who you work with as a coach or any of the anything like that, how, what would be the best way for somebody to get a hold of you?
2: Uh, either Instagram, Mm -hmm. probably or email
1: yeah what's your instagram you know what instagram is the easiest way to get a hold of people these days like i tell people all the time like like what's your email i was like you know what just reach out to me on instagram and (laughs) i'll probably respond to you much faster that way um so what is your instagram if you don't mind giving it out what uh how could people get a hold of you there
2: it's at cl mac attack so c l m a c a t t a -A -A c k yeah reach out to me
1: cool one last question what's the story behind mac attack
2: um, my last name prior to changing a lot of things was McIntyre going back to it. Nice. Um, everyone growing up called me Mac attack.
1: Yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Corey, thank you so much for your time. I know it's super valuable. I'm sure you've got like a million miles you have to go run right now. Um, so I will let you get off this podcast here. Thank you so much for your time and your information, your
0: knowledge. And uh, we'll talk soon.
2: Yeah, it was great. Thank you.
0: Of course. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Athlete's Potential and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free in life, head over to athletespotential.com to learn more.